Hey, welcome to Younger and Older. This is Jason and Dave hanging out at the studios at Silver Trench in the North Woods of Wisconsin, which is the home of Nicolay Bible Institute, which is a one-year Bible college program that we offer here for um, students really out of high school that are looking to get a solid biblical foundation for life, get some um, Christian service experience. But really, I would say that outside of the academic side of it, it really is a foundational piece that helps you set up um, a lifestyle to pursue Christ in whatever you decide to do. Um, so it's a lot of foundational classes that you could do, but not even that foundational habits. We get you set up with a mentor year round, put you in situations where um, you could just learn and grow and, and really find out who you are in Christ. And then after MBI, really just kind of use it as a launch pad to go into life. And so if you're interested at all, I encourage you to reach out, check out org, or go to silverbridgeranch.org and you can find uh, information about Nicolay Bible Institute there as well. But we're always looking for students and I can say that uh, it, it's been a great opportunity for many of them that have come and it's affordable option. Um, that way you don't have to rush into a four-year college or anything like that. So like, like I said, here hosted on the, the campus of Silverbridge Ranch is Nicolay Bible Institute. So check us out. And uh, you get to hang out with people like Dave and some of the other professors. And you might run into me at times and see my goofy looking face. But, uh, you know, what, what's interesting is that we work with a lot of young people who always have somewhat of the same questions uh, throughout the year. So I'll ask you some questions on yeah. that. For example, a lot of them are saying, you know, what do I do in life? How do I figure out what to do in life? When you were younger, when you were your son's age. Yeah. What did you dream about doing? What At his age, think? I think I still want to be a race car driver. Okay. And so just go out there and race cars. What did you like about it? The adventure? The Yeah, I think it was just the adventure. And I don't know. I never raced a car before, but we'd always do practice ones with our big wheels around the house. Okay. And, you know, get out to the checkered flag and wave it. I don't know. It was just one that. Get, getting a crash ever? Oh, you'd pretend crash. Because obviously, you know, if we're all being honest, when you watch, if you watched racing before, you know, if you're being honest, the, the most exciting part is when they crash. Right. Right. So as opposed to just watching them go in circles. But Okay. Now, you went to college, and where'd you go Where'd you go to college? Yeah, I ended up going to a uh, school up in the Twin Cities, Northwestern. Okay. Yeah. And it, Christian college. Christian college, yep. Got involved so. in churches there. And, and tell me, where'd you go when you were done with college, and what did you think your life was going to be about? Yeah, so obviously going from race car driver in high school, I, I started enjoying work with the young people, you know, because I grew up at a church, actually the same church as right. you did, where there was there was uh, a culture of service, I would say, you know, whereas, you know, I, once you were old enough, it's like, where are you going to serve? And so even at a young age, I started helping out with some of the younger cl- clubs is what we call them, whether they were WANA clubs or transitioning into different clubs. And so I always enjoyed that. So even in high school, I'm like, man, I would love to work with young people. And so that's why I ended up going to school for. And while I was in school, I got involved, you know, in young people and and all that, and ended up getting a, a job and internships and all that, um, working with young people within the church youth ministry context. And so that after college brought me to an opportunity in Northern Ireland. So I actually lived in Northern Ireland, working with middle school and high school students, um, both in the church and out of the church. Just now, how did you get from here to Northern Ireland? I mean, how did you? It was like did God lay Northern Ireland on your heart? Uh, not right away. No, you know, it's, it's really just making yourself available, you know? And so obviously like looking at myself and as the progression of events, even in high school, it's like, all right, I, I, I enjoyed something and it's like, oh, I enjoy this. You know, let me see if I can do something like this. And so you do it and it's like, oh, I'm actually, you know, gifted and talented and seem fairly good at this. And there's an option to go forward in it. And so let me study it, 
you know, let me study how to, you know, I love God, love working with people, whether it's young people or not. And so then I did that. And along the way, it's like, I don't want to just learn. I want to do it. So I'd always look for opportunities that to, to plug myself in, you know? And so when I was in college, I got connected with the church, helped out in the youth group. And, you know, then I ended up being on staff. And so part of staff was doing mission trips all over the place. Well, one mission trip happened to be to Northern Ireland. And so we started this ministry um, and at no point did I ever want to. And then at the end of it, it was just like, man, this is really going. There's a need here. Can I help with the need? Is this something that I could do? And so then I, you talk about it to people and they're like, yeah, that could be great. Why don't you come over? You know, so it, it's nothing like even at the, as the trip set on, it's like, I wasn't planning on doing that, but it kind of, I was open, available. And that's where God opened up a door, you know, right. not to use a, a Christian term opened up door. But like, I think as I grew up, I, whether it was taught to me growing up, you know, you just look for opportunities to utilize the gifts and talents that you are and the person that you are to see what God wants you to do. Right. You know, and ultimately it led me back here to camp. Yeah. I mean, that that's key. I think looking for ways to serve. I know when I entered college, my dad told me, don't, don't ever get out of youth work. Right. Don't ever do it because once you get out, you won't go back. Right. And I thought, I don't know, but I didn't. So freshman year, got involved in youth work. I've been in youth work ever since. Right. And he was right. Once Absolutely. I, I didn't get out. So since I never got out, I'm, that's what I learned and that's what I do. Yeah. Um, and the opportunities then started to show themselves. So, yeah. you know, the opportunity came after college to teach. That's what I got my degree in. So I taught, but I was always involved in youth work in the church. And before you know it, you started talking about camp and camp was a great place to do evangelism, work with kids. And I saw it as the greatest place to work with kids. So I thought, man, it'd be nice to go up there. Well, why not then? Mm-hmm. And so you start heading that way. Uh, sometimes kids are waiting, I think, for some mysterious way to God leads them or guides them or speaks to them from the sky or something. And the bottom line is God made you a certain way. Yeah. You need to enjoy the way he made you, but you always, he made you to serve, not be served. Right. So you should be out there serving. And as you're out there serving, you'll look for ways where you can continue to serve and God puts you in the place where you belong then. Absolutely. And that's, and that's how you learn and, and kind of affirm that, you know, I would always, as I talked to when I was in college, you know, obviously one of the majors I studied with youth ministry. So I had a bunch of, you know, friends I established within the youth ministry context. And some of them were studying youth ministry, but then outside of that, they weren't helping out anywhere. And I'd be like, well, why? I'm like, if you want to do this and you're not doing it, then why are you even doing this? Right. You know, because I think there's so much, and we've talked about this on the show, that the doing side, like the service side of being a Jesus follower, there's so much to it because it's it's the relationship. I mean, you look at Jesus. If you were to study Jesus, everything he did was in the context of service. Right. Everything. Every miracle, every conversation, it was all in the context of service, you know, and, and putting himself in situations. And so if we expect, you know, as especially as you talk to college students, it's like, well, what do I do? It's like, well, what situations are you trying to put yourself in? to serve, you know, if you're just studying and not doing anything, you know, if you want to be a teacher, but then you don't do anything with students, it's like, well, why do you want to be a teacher? Go do stuff with students. I'm not saying you have to go and be a teacher somewhere, go and get involved in students' lives and, and teaching opportunities will come around and you'll see it, man, I enjoy this or man, actually this isn't a good idea. Yeah. You know? Um, Well, it's interesting when you look at the way life is, there are people that they're trying to figure out what to do in life. And a lot of times they're thinking, what can I do that benefits me? Yeah. What if we change the thought and think, what can I do to benefit others? Right. What is it that God gave me that benefits other people? 
Right. When you look at the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul was somebody who was very satisfied in life. And, and they come to him and, and he says things like, well, for me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Yeah. We had to realize what they were doing is that they want to punish him. Right. And he's going, well, you know, if you kill me, I win. Mm-hmm. If you don't kill me, you win and I get to tell you about Jesus. So either way, I win. Right. And, and what happened is these guys had to keep going back to their committee meetings, I imagine, and try and figure out how can we bother this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, they couldn't bother him because he was part of something that was bigger. Right. Now, if you actually have put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're in God's family, you're part of something bigger. Mm-hmm. And, and you need to understand that you're part of something bigger. Now, the suffering is not what's fun. The suffering is being part of something bigger. Yeah. That's the, the fun part. The suffering always, pain is always pain. I don't care what it is. It's not something you go, oh, good, I'm in pain today. You know, and Jesus got nails and, you know, pounded through him and he got thorns in his head. That wasn't the fun part. The, the, the fun part, the joy of the cross was dying for you and me. Mm-hmm. He was a part of something significant. Yeah. And if you're going to be part of something significant, you're always going to have a battle on your hands. So you got to teach people that. Yeah. Significance doesn't happen when you just don't go out of your way and do something that's extraordinary. Right. Um, if you're in sports and you're a significant player, we, what you understand is that the other team has to do things to try and minimize your significance. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly attacked throughout the game, constantly. Right. And if you're going to constantly be attacked throughout the game, um, I, I still remember the best year I played in college football. And I remember I won an award. I was an all-state defensive end after that year. And, and I remember asking the coach why I was, because my thought process was simple. The whole season, I gave myself up. The, 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 if you know anything about football, the linemen were pulling around trying to lead the way to run around my end. Mm-hmm. And my job was to just take the linemen out. So I would dive at their feet. I would dive at their legs, whatever I needed to do to take them out. And the guy behind me, who was the linebacker, was supposed to make the play then. Yeah. So my job was always... I just need to take out the interference. Well, there could be two to three guys pulling or running at me that I needed to try and take out. Mm-hmm. Well, if I took them out successfully, then our linebacker made the tackle, and the linebacker got all the praise and all the glory, and everybody thought, what a great linebacker. And indeed, by the end of the year, he was All-American, and I wasn't. Yeah. And, and that's how that works. But when I walked into the award banquet and I, and I talked to the coach, he stuck out his hand, he shook my hand and said, congratulations, you were voted All-State. And I remember looking at him going, why? <laughs> you know, I mean, I know what I did all year. I just dove around and, and knocked people down and, and made it so the linebacker could make the tackles. But my statistics were terrible. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, because you listened to the coach. Yeah. You know, and, and I thought, well, I could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, the joy wasn't getting piled on by guys. The joy wasn't having your face in the mud. The joy wasn't having everybody else recognize the linebacker for what a great linebacker he was. The joy was being a part of a team that yeah, won. Absolutely. And and that's what we have to portray to the next generation. It's not about the one that gets the accolades. You know, right. uh, Christ talks about a body of Christ. So there's a knee and there's an ankle. The only time that I actually recognize my hip is when it hurts. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, young people have learned that. So your boys, your three boys, they're in a classroom in a school. And I used to be in a classroom in a school, so I understand the situation well. They're in a classroom in a school. If they do everything they're supposed to, 
mm-hmm. most likely they're going to be ignored. Yeah. If my knee does not hurt me at all, it does everything I ask it to. It does it without pain. Yeah, you don't pay attention. To I it. don't pay any attention to it whatsoever. Yep. The minute it has pain, I start recognizing it and doing something to try and change that. So that's an important understanding. What happens is children are in school and they realize, in order for me to be recognized, I need to do something stupid. Mm-hmm. I need to be a pain. I need to do something because it's those kids that get recognized. Mm-hmm. And you look at that and you go, wait a minute, that isn't the goal. Yeah, but they're the ones that get recognized. Now, some teachers try and correct it by saying, okay, so we need to go out of our way to recognize those who do what they should do. Well, that's nice, but the truth of the matter is those who do what they shouldn't do are always going to take more time. Mm-hmm. They're always going to be more visible. Right. We have to train our kids to realize that's not what you want. Mm-hmm. That the actual joy in life is if you're the one not making a scene. Right. So the question is, how do you do that with, you got three boys. I mean, this is a discussion that you could have at home sometime. Yeah. It's like, you know, guys, really, if you do things you shouldn't do, you get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. It's the wrong kind of attention. Yeah. You, you need to be those who live in a way where, where actually the teacher goes, oh, yeah, he is in my class. Mm-hmm. You know, the trouble with that boy, he does everything right. Yeah. And what happens is the teacher looks at you and just absolutely loves the fact that you're in the classroom mm-hmm. because they're working on all these other issues that really need to be worked on. Yeah. The saddest thing I see is when guys like your sons, when they start picking up the patterns from the kids who are always in trouble yeah, and saying, well, I am tired of being ignored. Mm-hmm. So parents, when they come home, you shouldn't ignore the good work that they've done. Right. You know, when they've done something that they should do, you should acknowledge, okay, you did what you should do. I think there does come a point in life where you realize that you shouldn't get a pat on the back for doing everything you should do as well. Right, right. You know, I mean, if the garbage is full and you take it out, good. I I can pat you on the back the first few times. I can pat you on the back as a kid. But eventually, if you're 45 years old and you take the garbage out and I start praising you up and down because you took the garbage out maybe you should just be taking the garbage out by now without being praised for it that's right you know there, yeah. there comes a time right where that stuff happens so i don't know if you see that in your kids do you see them ever looking at those who are getting attention that are goofballs and then oh yeah you know and i th- i think that's a natural process that kids go through you know even as they try to figure out who themselves are and what they think is funny or popular or things like that and that's why I encourage them just to be themselves, you know, because they might mimic the way that somebody talks, you know, or the way that they said something. And, and that all comes with the territory as they figure out who they are. But I think there's so much value in, in all, everything you just said, you know. Um, but then as parents to affirm those good things, you know, yeah. I think that's part of our responsibilities. We should be the ones that affirm that. Right. You know, and then even if you have other people that are within the realm of influence affirm that too you know and that's that's why i've always appreciated things that you do dave because it's like you see something and you affirm things right. in them because as an educator you understand the value in that Absolutely. um and i think that's that's where it's even intentional within your community of church you know and i'm i'm not saying like when you go to church but the people that you do life with that are jesus followers you know do it together 
And so if you have kids, either other, you know, don't be afraid to point out the good things in them. You know, that way they can have an affirmation outside of more than just their parents. That way they see like, oh, you know, he noticed that I, that I did the right thing, you know? And like I said, that, that depending on their age and and all that, that would, you know, depict how often you do that. Right. But I do think that there's, at least as, as I'm learning as a parent, I feel like there is a stage where they need that. There is. More than, more than not. There is. And there's a healthy time where they realize they just should do it without someone tapping them on the back. But, yeah. but that comes in time. Right. Absolutely. You know, we want to reinforce the positive. I think that's one of the great challenges of any young person in a public school system mm-hmm. is to recognize the fact that the recognition doesn't always come. Right. In fact, if you're, if you're like myself, when I, I was a compliant kid, so I'm in school, I'm compliant, so I'm never in trouble, so I'm not getting noticed that way. I was not a straight-A student, so I wasn't getting noticed that way. I yeah. was the one that blended in, that, yeah. that totally was lost. And, and I really didn't care about school because of that. Right. I mean, I really didn't. I didn't get any affirmation. I didn't get any punishment. I didn't get anything. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, oh, this kid, is he in my classroom? Right. You know, well, because I didn't cause trouble and I didn't really get all A's, you don't even know I'm existing. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something that a parent should recognize. Yeah. Because... Down the road, there there could come a time where this child says, I'm tired of this. Right. I'm tired of never being known, and, and people forget my name. And, and if I would just throw an egg at the teacher or something, right? you know, I'd be known. Right. And we've even talked about that on previous episodes where it's not necessarily about the grade. Right. You know, it's about the learning process. And every, you know, I'm quickly learning that even within my three boys, they learn differently. Oh, much. You know, and so if they learn differently, I shouldn't have the same expectations, you know, in terms yep. of of uh, especially when it comes to grade you know yeah. maybe the same you know general outcome principles yeah you know but not necessarily that and i think that's something we have to take into matter and there's something you said earlier in the episode too dave that i appreciate is that you know as we as we talk about the things that we're good at and that, you know are we doing it for ourselves or for others you know obviously there's a natural satisfaction in doing things that you're good at but one thing that i've appreciated is like if somebody's good at something you almost get more satisfaction when you share that with other people oh, rather absolutely. than keeping it to yourself you know, and I see you do that. You know, you find that, you know, berry bush somewhere rather than saying, oh, this is my berry bush. It's like, man, who can I bring with to show me this berry yeah. bush? You know, and uh, I met a guy that has come up to our men's retreat who um, competes in fishing tournaments. And yet he he's taken my son and I out fishing. He'll hook a fish, hand it right to my son and have him reel it in. Why? Because he gets more satisfaction now out of him getting the fish and reeling in whatever size fish it ends up being. Because it's not about the, the trophy fish for him anymore. Right. You know, and, and I appreciate that in people, you know. And so if the more that we could do that, I think, you know, the more that we enjoy the whole relational side that God has created us to use our gifts and talents for people. Because, sure, if you were to, to do something like that just for yourself, there is that s- satisfaction. Yeah. But I would say it's just a small taste of the full satisfaction you can get if you were to share that with other people. Right. Yeah, I think in that that's a mind frame. Uh, for example— if, as your son experiences that, he sees that, okay, this person, when they do something well, they share that with somebody else. Yeah. So they're learning that. Now, it may be them they're sharing it with at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. But they realize, I caught this fish, but I wouldn't have right. without that person hooking the fish, handing it to me. Now, next time I'm out and I'm doing something and maybe my little brother's with me, I'm going to hook this fish and give it to him. Right. 
so he can bring it in and have that same joy. That's how they learn it. Right. Now, I think, though, there's some things that go in our culture that are really go against that. Oh, yeah. For example, yeah. I need to have this and have a picture on Facebook of me holding this as, oh, yeah. as my – that's dangerous. Well, and, 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 and part of it comes with this the subculture, you know, because I know another fisherman who just got a huge salmon – He's like, oh, I'm not going to tell you what lake and what I caught it with. Yeah. You know, and it's just a totally different mentality. It's like, well, what what, what satisfaction is there? Yeah. The fact that you could show off a picture and nobody else knows how or where you got it. Like, sure, I could see where there's some, like, pride in that. Yeah. But to me, it'd be like, man, let's go see if there's any more. Who wants to come with? I'll show you what I did, where I went, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I did hunter safety as an adult because uh, I grew up in Illinois, came, moved up right. here to Wisconsin. And uh, the thing I appreciated in hunter safety is there was a camaraderie to teach young people how to hunt, you yeah. know, and, and just the joy of hunting, the camaraderie in hunting. And, and you don't always get that in hunting, but I was actually appreciative of the fact that they wanted to, to pass that along. And this is, a, a, you know, a, a secular thing. Right. You know, it's not necessarily a Christian thing. And so I even you even see tastes of it in the world. Where it's like, man, this is something that everybody should enjoy and that yeah. you should share with people. But I think there's that always that selfishness that, that try to squeaks in. Yeah, you know, I think whenever in your life that the selfishness comes in and you're saying, I want to show people what a wonderful experience I had, mm-hmm. but not be able to help them have it. Right. You're trying to one-up somebody. Right, and social media plays into that. Yeah. And every, you know, it's like, oh, let me get this selfie. It's like, no. Yeah, just... like if I, I just wonder now. This is my thought. Yeah. I have never, ever taken a picture of, like, me at a restaurant eating something. But I wonder why would you do that? Right. Is it so that I can look and see what you're eating and say, wow, you or not me or whatever? Is it really to share your life with me? Mm. You know, I, I don't know why you're doing it. Yeah. I find it at my age, I find it unnecessary. Uh, yeah. To know exactly what you had at that restaurant, uh, right. you know, to eat. It's not that I wouldn't be interested if you said, boy, I really like my salmon cooked this way and this restaurant did it that way. It's like, oh, I find that interesting. But, yeah. uh, you know, I just wonder at times if our whole culture is set on, I have to have something that you don't have in order to be better mm-hmm. rather than whatever I have, what makes it great is I get to share it with you. Mm. So that that's a whole different mind frame. Yeah. And to surround yourself with people who do that. Mm-hmm. In the Northwoods, I, I love um, showing people. In fact, I invited the students today to follow me sometime if they want. Anyone that wants to learn how to trout fish, I can teach them how. Yeah. And and some of them were saying, oh, you're a trout fisherman. I said, no, not really. But here's what I did. I figured out where they were, and I went out and bought a three-foot pole so it because it's all my spots are in the woods. Yeah. And and I break like all the rules that real trout fishermen use. Right. But I know how to get trout. Yeah. And so if you want to follow me into the woods and I can show you how to get trout, I can do that. But I'm not really you you wouldn't see me in a trout fishing tournament. Right. And and the fun part for me is still learning and we've said this before on the show, but I'm I only know so much, but I'll give that to you. And when I you know, down the road when you become really good at something and you pass me up, I'll cheer you on. Mm-hmm. because now I started you just with the interest of it. Yeah. But now you've spent time developing that skill. Right. And that's the fun part. So any of anyone that's listening, you have a skill set somewhere and you can learn something. Mm-hmm. And as you learn something, you then can pass on what you learned, even if you're not totally proficient at it. Yeah. And you can find other people, your kids can pass you up one day and you can just cheer them on for doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, in that sense, which brings me to another topic. It's the idea of, okay, I think it's important that people are lifelong learners. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So I think it's important that people would look at you, your kids, and know that, okay, dad is always learning something new. Mom is always learning something new. Mm -hmm. So I would encourage you to always have a list of things where you say, and the kids know where it is. This, these are the things I would like to learn. Yeah. You know, so like for me right now, I have to, to put some wheels to it, but I want to learn how to weld. Mm. You know, so if I were, if I had kids, what they would know is, oh, dad doesn't know how to weld, but he wants to learn how. Mm -hmm. And then they would, you know, when I do it, I could say, I'm going to go learn to weld. And they come and watch whatever. I don't look at the welding part, I guess, but you know, whatever else it might be. Yeah. But, but what you're instilling in them mm -hmm. is a lifelong habit of there are things I don't know how to do. I don't want to be a professional at it, but I'd like to learn how to do it. Right. And, and so you go out there and you do that. And once again, and I think we've shared it on this program, one of the greatest bits of advice I got when I was in high school from my swimming coach was I was not going to be a professional athlete at anything. I should go out and learn as many sports as possible so I could enjoy them in life. Mm. And even in high school, I, I breathed this sigh of relief like, that's good advice. Mm -hmm. I, I think I can do that. I can go and, yes, that's good advice. Yeah. And and so in, in my life, um, I'm always, there's always a year where, I, you know, one year I wanted to learn to trout fish, so I went out and just did it. And, mm -hmm. and, and other things that I wanted to do in life. And right now, I want to learn to weld. I want to I weld some things up and make them actually work. And, you know, I don't need to do that for some weird reason. But there's something in me that says I need to continually be a learner. Mm -hmm. I doubt I'll ever be a professional welder and do anything. Yeah. But I could do certain things. Like right now at my house, if I need to sweat pipes for a gas or I need or water and I or or put together gas pipes, I can do it mm -hmm. because I've done it. I've had them checked by professionals. They work, and it's like okay, I've learned that. Yeah. Well, you don't do that for a living. No, but I've learned how to do it. And, and there's so many things in life that enrich your life. Mm -hmm. But you can imagine as a dad, if you do that, now your kids are learning a lifelong. My dad doesn't have to know everything. He said, I don't know how to take this lawnmower engine and put it back together. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go learn. I'm going to go over there where, our, where when our mechanics over there start taking it apart and have them teach me how to put it back together. Yeah. Wow. So dad doesn't know this. No, but now he does. Will you ever do it again? I doubt it. You know, I mean, unless your son. Now think of your sons. They're always going, I don't know this. Oh, who can I learn it from? Mm -hmm. Rather than I don't know it so it's a dead end street. Yeah. You don't know. I, I might take up welding one day and realize, boy, I'm a natural, really good welder and be a welding artist one day. And there everyone, you go. You know, looking for my welding art. I'll or, buy a piece from you, Dan. Yeah, you'd buy a piece anyway just to have it probably. But <laughs> I, I'm thinking, you know, you don't know that stuff until you give it a try. Yeah. And you always are looking for someone patient that says, I know something and I'll pass it on to you and give it to you for nothing. Right. Not pay me for it. Right. I'll, and I'll and I think there's a principle in there too, Dave, and it's don't be afraid to fail. Try yeah. something and fail. You yeah. know, that's something we can even teach our kids. You know, if you want to try something, do it and yep. support them. You know, because how else are they going to learn? Absolutely. And what better context to learn in than in a healthy environment, you right. know? And I think that helps them figure out what they want to do and what, what they're good at and what they're not. Because if you set it up where they can't even try, how are they going to learn? Right. 
you know, and I think that's, that's part of the process too, of continuing learning, like you said. And so, uh, on this episode, we've covered a lot of things and, and I would, I would encourage you just to think about, um, just the, the things you're investing into and be willing to, to invest into people and take the time to do it. Uh, unfortunately we're out of time. I encourage you to head over to silvertranch.org where you can re-listen to this and other podcasts. But for now, this is Jason and Dave and you know, younger and older. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.